Hey guys, and welcome to the show. We are doing the fourth episode of the HPR show where we review movies and uh, so far just movies, but we are actually, to get some housekeeping out of the way early on, uh, we're actually going to be expanding the uh, show's topics to include a multitude of other things, which basically means anything that interests me at any time that I want to start recording those sorts of things. And right now it happens to be movies. We're in, all in quarantine, and so it makes movies the most accessible thing. So jumping back into the into the actual show for today, I'm joined by Che, not by uh, Jake and Q like I have been previously. They are both enjoying some beach trips right now and have not been able to be reached for the purposes of recording. But uh, Che has been able to join me from Charlotte. Uh, we go way back from when I used to live up there, and... Uh, we are going to be going over the gentleman today. How is everything going? Uh, pretty. Good. Do we go way back? Oh, we go way back. Is our friendship considered way back? <laughs> I've I've got the attention span of a goldfish. Anything over a year is way back for me. All right, you know, I'll take that. That okay? <laughs> I'll take so that for the for the rest of the crowd who uh, is not on the inside baseball, we've only. When did we meet? Probably two years ago, three? Uh, honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it, wasn't, it was a special day for me. I, nah, um, <laughs> I don't remember the first day we met. Um, no, I used to live up in Charlotte for work, and uh, we became pretty good friends up there. Um, and have got a comp- common interest in movies and pop culture and all that sort of stuff. Um uh, and pretty much everything in between. Uh, so today we're looking at The Gentleman, which is a Guy Ritchie movie starring McConaughey, Charlie Hunnam, Michelle Dockery, who I now realize I'm in love with, uh, Jeremy Strong, Colin Farrell, and the list goes on and on. Hugh Grant. Did I already say Hugh Grant? No. No, I hadn't. Uh, holy shit, what a movie of heavy hitters though, right? Honestly, when the so when the preview first came out, I remember watching it and getting really confused cuz I was like there's so many just people that I wouldn't expect in a film together. I yeah, like before the movie, I kind of was in that camp. I was like this is a lot of heavy hitters and getting them all in a room to play night, you know, not that they're not friendly people, but, you know, stars are stars. They all like to be in the limelight, and having heavy hitters all share the limelight can sometimes be tumultuous. Uh, and after the movie, I'm like, they did it. This this was the dream cast. Everybody was born for each of their roles. <laughs> I will say, the thing that surprised me the mo- most was seeing Hugh Grant in a movie with Matthew McConaughey. Just because it was, <laughs> it just made um, I don't know. They're just like two very different people, and I feel like they've both played in two very different movies. Is this their first movie together? Oh no, it is their first movie yes. together. Um, Hugh Grant was with. Um, Oh, never mind. I'm thinking this is Hugh Grant's second movie with Guy Ritchie Mm -hmm. when they did Man from Uncle previously. Yes. Which, 
wildly underrated movie. Did you see Man from Uncle? I did because, to be completely honest, it had Henry in it. And at the time, not only did I have a crush, but my dad is a big fan <laughs> of the original TV show. So uh, we did watch it. <laughs> so, question. You, uh, talking about crushing on uh, Henry Cavill, did you watch the most recent Mission Impossible where he reloads his arms and it has sound effects and it might be the I, only time I've ever <laughs> swooned at another man. I'm like, holy shit, that's, that's cool. So I, I will admit this is the first Mission Impossible I have not seen. Oh. I know, I know. It's, it's terrible because Mission Impossible movies for me are kind of like diehard films where I watch them because I'm dedicated not because I actually <laughs> care about the story at this point. Um, so that that's the only one I haven't seen. And I'm, I'm really sad to say that I haven't seen it. I keep telling myself that I'm going to, but then I never get around to doing it. Do you have Amazon Prime? I do. Is it on there? It is, it is free on there. Okay, apparently that is my plan tomorrow then when I'm <laughs> done writing. It is... It's the best one in the series. I'm not going to spoil anything. And the uh, Henry Cavill arm reloading scene is not even a spoiler. It was in the trailer. No, it, it was. That's why I knew exactly what part you were talking about. That's why I kind of <laughs> I felt even more bad because I was like, yeah, that was like the entire point of me saying to myself, I'm definitely going to watch this one as long as they have those sound effects. If they don't, I'm going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> I don't remember if, like, the exact trick... Because they, they time it to Imagine Dragon's friction in that yes. trailer. Yes. And I'm not sure if they keep, like, the drum beat that they time it to in that. But it's such a great scene that even if it's not there, you hear it. If you've seen the trailer, your brain just goes, no, you want this laid over it. I'm just going to have to trust you on that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll find out tomorrow, apparently. Also, yeah. Vanessa Kirby... Most beautiful human being alive. If you want to become a sponsor of the show or just hang out, I'm in. <laughs> I'm. I feel is that is that the first film that you've seen her in? Uh, I believe it is. Um, oh, sir, you are behind. This is gonna make really good radio as I double check her uh, filmography right quick. But I'm. You probably uh, have, but she she's done a lot of like minor roles in the past she was in jupiter ascending but i do not recognize like i said who she played in that lots of minor roles yeah i believe um, she was on a uh, girl on a train or girl on the train i don't yeah would would have had to see it um wait she was also in hobbs and shaw i don't see it in there oh wait um, sorry no i'm thinking i'm getting actors actors confused vanessa kirby was in the crown though Yes, she was, yes. but I never watched The Crown. Um, oh. First season was pretty good. Oh, well, she's only in 17... Oh, I guess that only ran two years. Um, ooh. Mission Impossible 7 has been officially announced because it is in her filmography <laughs> as announced, and I could not be happier about that. Also, oh, God. did you see Hobbs and Shaw? I want to say I did, but I want to say it was one of those films that I saw late at night. And you're not sure if you dreamed it or not? Yeah, like, I, I remember, 
I feel like I remember a good chunk of the movie, but I don't remember if it's my brain just taking bits of preview and filling in the chunks. <laughs> like, well, I, the preview I feel for like it I was like four it. minutes long. Yeah, it, it I, kind I of, know. You knew <laughs> also, uh, speaking of long previews in Fast and Furious movies, did you see the preview for Fast 9 being like a 10 minute long thing? I this came out a couple of months know. ago, but this conversation <laughs> just brought it up. They like they made a mini movie for the trailer. It was like a ten minute long trailer. It was absurd. Uh, I don't. I, I gotta look up and see how long this actually was, but it was stupid long for a trailer. Yeah, at this point, I've kind of stopped watching trailers for Fast and Furious films. I just see nope. that they come I'm out, and deep. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I am far too deep. Uh, seven minutes. Wow. Seven minute trailer. Okay. Somebody's gonna correct me in the comments and be like, seven minutes, eight seconds. I'll be like, well, you know what? It's what I can find on YouTube. <laughs> um, well, jumping back to the movie we're actually discussing today, because... <laughs> like, other than the three movies that we've just gone through. Oh my god. This is what this show's all about. It's about rabbit hole and just enjoying... Oh, uh, I, I know. I listened to your first couple of podcasts and i was so confused i was like which movie are we talking about at <laughs> those descents into madness <laughs> yeah. um so i usually like to go through kind of who the uh lead actors and stuff are and just you know mcconaughey we know he's the goat uh all-time great um i mean what did you ever see true detective season one? Oh, absolutely all-time great lo- role and previously my favorite like monologue from him being uh Willie Harrelson asking him if uh they thought they were bad men and him saying of course we're bad men bad me- but bad men are there to keep worse men at the door and I was like oh shoot that's a great line like just hooked on it this one had a better ending line um, at the very end of this movie, and getting a bit of a head of ourselves, but as long as we're talking about McConaughey monologues, I want to bring it up. And it's it's not just enough to the lion for the lion. It's not just enough, and I'm butchering the line, but for the lion, it's not just enough to uh, act like a king. He has to be the king, and it's Michelle Dockery walking into the room, and uh, he has this bit on, uh, you know. For the king to doubt himself, it's for him to descend into chaos, and chaos is him losing his power or something. It it's such a great line, and like the last oh, second to last thing. This is the line the at the end, right? Yes. Yeah, this is the like the line at thing. the end, and then he's like, "My queen told me that," and then yes, yeah. <laughs> and they cut to black, and I literally was like, I was halfway out of my chair. I was like, just put it in my veins, man. Yeah, I. <laughs> So I watched this film with my boyfriend because, um, you know, quarantine, and we're like, well, you know, we can't do anything else for date night. Let's do, let's just watch this. Mm-hmm. Um, and when McConaughey said that line at the end, uh, Simon also jumped out of the chair, <laughs> and he was just like, oh, which was 
a bit disturbing because so my my roommate who you know laura um she uh she i can't even imagine how she reacted so she works nights now um oh no kidding yeah and so but she was this was right before she started her night shifts and so she was asleep at this point and so all of a sudden she like rushes out of her room and just kind of like looks around (laughs) looks at us and just kind of nods and then goes back into her room. Just <laughs> retreats back to the dark. <laughs> so I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> just tur- turns on some stand-up comedy to fall asleep to still. Oh, that was already on. Like, we could hear it, <laughs> which is why we had turned up the volume. Because we could hear it over some parts of the film. And we're just like, nope. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, following McConaughey, uh, we've got Charlie Hunnam, who arguably has a larger, he's, I got, I got to think he has more screen time than McConaughey in the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what's your, what's your opinions on Charlie Hunnam? So I'll admit, I, I feel like he's one of those actors that I've seen in a ton of films, but I don't remember which films they are. But I know his face. Um, Mm -hmm. Because most of the film, I kept thinking to myself, I feel like he's played a character like this before, but I don't remember which film it was in. Well, and a part of that definitely comes from... So he was uh, the star of um, Sons of Anarchy as Jack Teller. That's why, then. And (laughs) you, you saw probably six years of fx uh tv ads with yes. his face on it yes um but i i mean i love charlie hunnam i think he this is also his second movie i think um king arthur the legend of the sword was that a huge uh guy Ritchie movie as well yes that was um yeah but, yeah 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 it, it, it definitely was but it was obviously no 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 uh, critical shine like the gentleman's gotten, but uh, <laughs> like Charlie Hunnam is one of my favorite actors, and I think he ha- like I'm skimming his filmography right now. He's been through it in a shitload of stuff. Um, okay. One of my favorite roles for him, not just anybody could, probably could have played the role, but Pacific Rim is Riley Beckett is one of it, just one of my favorite movies. Because you get to turn your brain off, but if you want to turn your brain on, there is, there's stuff there, and the internet's gonna flame me for all six people listening to this, but there, like, that is one of the greatest movies of all time. But you got to look at it for what it's trying to accomplish, because it's not trying to accomplish the same thing as The Irishman, you know? Yeah. It's trying to be fun, and it does a really good job at what it's trying to do. Okay, so see my. So after I watched The Gentleman, I had to look up what other stuff I'd seen him in. So that's when I realized, like, oh, okay, I've seen him in, you know, the commercials for Sons of Anarchy. But then I also realized that he was in a movie that I actually really love that I don't think people talk about enough, which is Crimson Peak, which is a Del Toro film. Ooh, yeah, it I was, love Del Toro. Yeah, it was this gothic, like, ghost story. It wasn't supposed to be, like, overly scary. It was just supposed to be, like, a gothic, romantic horror or ghost story. 
and it had Have you seen this movie poster? It's very oh, gothic it's, romantic. It's beautiful. Scary. It's beautiful. It is a gorgeous film because it's Del Toro. Oh. I love that film. And I just realized after I saw The Gentleman, I was like, oh my god, he was in that. He's actually like a pretty big part in that movie. <laughs> but it's such, oh, wow. it's such a great film. Yeah, um, the girl who plays Alice in um, mm-hmm. Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass is the lead of it. Yeah, also, yeah. Jessica Chastain. How did I not hear of this movie? This... It's got Mia... Oh, I can't pronounce her last name. It's Polish, it looks like. Jessica Chastain. Mia Wasikowska. Charlie... <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I mean, it's got four really well-known names right there at the top. Um, Listen... That film was beautiful. I went and saw it in theaters, I think, at least twice. It's it a with, gorgeous film. Does it keep with Guillermo del Toro's uh, traditional um, using very... Um, what am I trying to think of? It's bad radio when I can't think of words. I don't know. Uh, well, not CGI. Uh, traditional effects, makeup. Um, um, real, real effects and makeup and stuff so the way the movie i would have to watch it again it's it's been a while since i've seen this film because it came out in like what 2014 15 15? yeah Yeah. so it's been like a good five years since i've seen this film um fair enough but uh from what i remember it wasn't a lot of uh I don't think there was a lot of, like, makeup effects that he usually used. I think it was more... Because, again, it is it is a ghost story. Right. So, so they lean a little bit more into the CGI than his usual stuff? Potentially. I, I, I don't <laughs> I'll find remember. Out. <laughs> you should really just watch it. Um, And then, so we've got... Uh, after Charlie Hunnam, we've got Michelle Dockery, who... What a powerful female lead, who apparently I've seen in a bunch of stuff and didn't realize. Hmm. Um, let's see. What just jumped out at me? Obviously, Downton Abbey. I had forgotten she was in Selfless, which is great Ryan Reynolds movie that I think also doesn't get enough shine. Oh, that's right. She was in that. Um, good Behavior. A couple other things. The walk- Oh, wow. She was in The Walking Dead. Um, yeah, but great actress and really owned this role. I really enjoyed seeing her on screen. Um, you know who who was cast ahead of her for this? Who made it two weeks into filming before jumping ship? No. Kate Beckinsale. Real? Damn. Yeah. You know, that kind of, that kind of makes me sad. But at the same time, after seeing how Michelle played it, I don't think Kate could do it. I, I I was that was my exact <laughs> thought process. Immediately I was like, "Damn, I love Kate Beckinsale, yeah. Underworld, my childhood." But then I was like, "But it, like that's a different kind of intensity than Michelle Dockery brought to the role." And I'm not sure that's the same in, in, or the same character that we would have seen on screen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like Kate might have played it a bit more posh than yes, Michelle for sure. does. You know what I mean? So, yeah. It, it definitely would have been different. 
And then running through the uh, rest of them, because I, I can talk for days on each one of these guys, but uh, Jeremy Strong, uh, I, liked him more in, I like him more in succession right now, uh, but I love, 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 and I noticed this first in succession was how good of a physical actor he is. Hmm. And most people think of physical acting as, you know, falling down the stairs, doing your own stunts, Tom Cruise type of physical acting. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, if you've ever... Have you watched Succession? No. <laughs> Need to add it to the list. It's the best show that came out last year. There's season two of it. No, um, I've, I've heard a lot about it, but I'm going to be honest. Uh, I don't watch a lot of shows now that I <laughs> write full-time. <laughs> so... They, that can impede your time for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny bit. Uh, but he's he's a great physical actor. Like in the beginning of the show, he's super confident and like it's almost like a whole other human being is playing him by the end of the show because he's hunched over and you know, there's this uh depression and subservience with uh his father in the show. Like his ability to convey emotion without speaking is one of the best I've ever seen on a uh, camera. Okay. Um, and he re- in, it's really highlighted in this because you have to look at it in contrast to his other roles because of the way he talks in this movie. You're like, oh, oh that's the same... Per-. Like, there are two... I, can, I call it two different kinds of really famous actors. You've got the Tom Cruises where they build a movie around the character of Tom Cruise. And then you've got the Leonardo DiCaprio who dives into the role and you can't... Like, you look at Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and him in Django and, um... Revenant. Give, it's Revenant. Like a big and, one. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you just completely... I was I was going to go to Great Gatsby, but I was like, I just picked the three, like, whitest posh roles he ever played. Yeah. Uh, and, but, like, you lose him in the role. And Christian Bale's another great example. You, like... Oh, yeah. You watch two different movies with Christian Bale as the lead, and you're like, that's not the same dude. That's not the same dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we got uh, Colin Farrell. Listen, he he is my favorite. I love him. Um, and I always love it when he plays any role with his actual accent. So, is that his actual accent? I'm pretty sure that is. He might have, like, like played maybe, it up a little, but, like, I'm pretty sure that's his actual accent. I could be very wrong, and if at some point he listens to this, it's not. I'm so sorry, sir. <laughs> but, I, I thought he was just an American dude. No, he is not American no, he's at Irish. all. He is very Holy Irish. Crap. The first movie I ever saw him in was, um, crap, what was it called? It was, uh... I mean, it was Daredevil, but, like, no one actually remembers him in Daredevil. Um, <laughs> oh, my God, I'd forgot about it. <laughs> See? Exactly. No one remembers him in Daredevil. But the first movie I, like, remember seeing him in was, um, I'm going to butcher the name of this, but it's in Bruges. Oh, um, my God. Yeah. yeah. People forget he's in Daredevil because he's bald. I just remembered that. Yeah. But the first movie uh, I, like, the, really saw him the in. The Bruges? Yes. And I love that film. And that's the same... I'm pretty sure he uses his actual accent in that film, too. My favorite movie of his, maybe, and this is going to be... People are really going to start judging whether or not they should keep listening to this show on this take. As if they haven't. 
had plenty of times, <laughs> is Fright Night. Oh, the the remake? The the one with uh, him and Anton Yelchin back before he died. Oh, damn. And David Tennant. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my. Yeah, yeah. And Dave Franco was in it. That oh, was... Oh, my God. Yeah, that was the remake that they did and, like, everyone was like, oh, compared to the original and, like, it was that, that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, pe- yeah, people didn't like it because it was a remake of an original and the remake is never as good, but holy crap, is that one of the... It's... You know, so me and my dad always grew up. We loved watching these, uh, the Saturday mon- monster oh. uh, types of movies and shows. Oh, yeah. Um, we were big fans of Supernatural before it totally jumped the shark and became more drama than hunting werewolves and stuff. I couldn't get uh, past the first season, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah, the CGI was real. There was a real, there was a real, like, peak spot between, like, seasons two and four. So I don't remember exactly, but there's a bright spot, then it gets weird again, then... <laughs> uh, yeah, about the third time both brothers die and they save each other from the afterlife, you're like, guys, nothing sacred. I can't really get invested. I know you're going to bring them back. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I I remember starting to watch that show and being like I feel like I'm watching Charmed all over again and I've seen every episode of Charmed. I don't need to rewatch it with men. So <laughs> <laughs> I I just kind of stopped and I was like, you know what? I'll stick with Charmed. <laughs> I never saw Charmed, but uh, uh. no, nah, I I did Supernatural was the cup of tea for me. I was very deep on that CW game for a while. <laughs> Um, no, but Fright Night just was very much in that monster movie vein. Another great Anton Yelchin one being Odd Thomas. Oh, um, yeah, I did see Odd Thomas, so. God, R.I.P. in peace. That What a great actor to lose too early. Um, yeah. And obviously we can't go through the headliners of this movie without talking about Hugh Grant. Of, oh, listen. Honestly, he was the... One of the main reasons I decided to watch the film. I mean, once I saw the other people, I was like, yeah, this is a great cast. But he was like the main reason because he started speaking in that. I don't I don't know if this is correct, but I think it's a Cockney accent, like a very Cockney yeah, it's, accent. It's very something that I'm not used to hearing. I, I want to say it's Cockney. I'm probably very wrong and I'm so sorry but as soon as... <laughs> you, you offended a very small section of North Ireland. Cockney's not Irish. Well, I've offended, I've offended a small portion of <laughs> North Ireland. That's British. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway. No, but like... So Hugh Grant is my mom's favorite actor out of all, like, of all times. So I've grown up, like, watching almost every single film that he's been in, which has mostly been either dramas or romantic comedies. So when I saw just that first scene where he's like, Raymond, will you play a game with me, Raymond? I was like, oh my God. I was like, this is amazing. I'm here for it. Raymond, we're going to play a game. Oh. I, I love when he gets like assertive at the end of that statement. And he's just like, Raymond, when you play a game and Ray, Ray's like, fuck off. And oh, then he's like, no, Lord. we're going to play a game. Come with me now. It It was beautiful. <laughs> Uh, also, another guy. Not I don't consider him terribly a headliner in this one. Um, I mean, he's a great actor, Eddie Marson. Oh, I feel like yeah. I've seen him in a billion movies, and truly, just like always, a great supporting character. I've seen him 
play some really weird characters before. Mm-hmm. Like, I, th- I feel like he's one of those actors that just completely takes over his role, so you only see him as that role in that moment, and you don't remember him outside that role. Headmaster in Deadpool 2. Uh, oh, that's professor right. In, the Professor in Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, let's see. He was in Sherlock Holmes multiple times. He, he was in Sherlock Holmes as the inspector. Mm-hmm. Uh, inspector Lestrade. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately. God, I, I love those Sherlock movies. Did no, you no, no, no. I, I love the Sherlock films. I'm a very big Sherlock fan. Um, anyone that knows me can attest to this. Uh, but... I always feel bad for anyone who plays Lestrade in any version of Sherlock Holmes. Because he's the idiot. Yeah, exactly. Because he's such... Just... Yeah, Sherlock has such disdain and, like, low-key contempt for Lestrade, even though he also kind of loves him. <laughs> and it's just... I always feel bad for people who play Lestrade, because I'm like, you'll you'll never be loved by any Sherlock fan. <laughs> Was there a Lestrade character in, um, not Tom Hiddleston, Benedict Cumberbatch's, um... absolutely. Who played Lestrade in that? Uh... Holy shit, he was in Gangs of New York? Who? What a great movie. Uh, Ed Marson. Sorry, I'm skimming through his filmography. (laughs) This dude, this dude has been in six movies a year, every year since, like... God made the earth, and Ed, Eddie Marsden was acting, and he was like, I don't know, he was here when I got here. Like, <laughs> like his filmography is insane how long it is. I mean... Since 87, he's been in something every single year, it looks like. I'm probably skimming... I'm skimming too fast to dang. confirm that, but... Uh, I mean, guys got work. Yeah, he's got a uh, rich filmography. Good for him. Uh, oh my god but uh so now you know diving into some of the on-screen stuff for this movie um i mean this is one of the most layered movies i've ever seen um where you have storylines and plot lines on top of storylines and plot lines uh it's awesome and like um like today i was taking some notes on it and i watched it a couple nights ago I'd already forgotten the whole uh, Yakuza angle. Um, and I saw a clip where they were talking about it, and I was like, that was in this movie. That that yeah. was a whole chunk of this movie. That is great, but is so, like, it is not bad. It is, you know, not even average. It is just good and to great, but it's so overshadowed by the fact that so much of the rest of the movie is also great. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the entire... I think what I really appreciated about the film was, um, like, just to go on a little side trail here, like, the dialogue, first of all, was so quick and just beautiful. Um, so I think that obviously was a big part. But also, with all the layers that you're talking about, like, I felt like I couldn't ever guess what was going to happen because they do one thing and it's like oh but that one thing was actually a ploy to do this thing and this thing was actually a ploy to do this thing but this person actually knew about this thing and hence all of this oh yeah and that's actually something that i wanted to bring up was just the dialogue in of itself um and early on they tell us they're like oh when they're talking about something they're not talking about something when they're 
when uh, Hugh Grant's narrating the conversation between Jeremy Strong and McConaughey. But uh, another great, well, I really enjoyed it. It's kind of gotten some backlash, but um, Newsroom uh, oh, was yeah. always thought of having too polished of conversation. That's right. Um, and that, that was a big complaint factor for it. But, like, this has some of the most polished conversation. Like, people don't talk like this movie makes people talk. You know? They yeah. all talk in monologues. They all have prepared speeches. True. So why does one work and one doesn't? Well, I will say this about the newsroom. Because, um, so the newsroom is written by Aaron Sorkin. And Aaron yes. Sorkin, like, if you've if you watched Very any polarizing. Of- <laughs> Not even <laughs> polarizing. But, like, so he... Um, Fun fact about him, he actually started out in theater. Like, um, A Few Good Men actually started out as a play. Oh, really? Yeah, it was actually, um, if I remember correctly, it it became a Broadway play, and then they were like, oh, we're going to make this into a movie, and they asked him to be the screenwriter since he was, like, the playwriter. Uh, Or the playwright, excuse me. Um, Yeah, so he... so. For those that don't know, there is a big difference between, like, script writing for film and writing for a play. Like, on stage, it's very dialogue-heavy, because most of the story you're going to tell is going to be within the dialogue, because you Mm -hmm. are doing everything live. Like, you can't do a cut shot or, like, a close-up or an insert of anything. You can't do Mad Max Fury Road with, like, 74 words. (laughs) No. On a play. Absolutely I want I want to see someone try. <laughs> so, so Aaron Sorkin does have that background, but on top of that, like, he even admits in interviews that while a normal screenplay or um, teleplay that he writes, it while normal ones are supposed to be about, like, 120 pages long, he writes, like, 150 to 300 pages because it's mostly dialogue. And then he'll just cut whatever. For, like, an average movie? Yeah, for an average movie that he writes. Okay. But, like, so, yeah, it is, like, when you bring up the newsroom, just bringing this back full circle, when you bring up the newsroom Mm -hmm. um, and that dialogue compared to The Gentleman, like, you do have to kind of keep in... Uh, context like who wrote the newsroom the the source of it yeah Yeah, and like that's just kind of what Aaron Sorkin does is he just writes a lot of dialogue Mm -hmm. I mean he's great at it but (laughs) and like um like one of Sorkin's movies I really enjoy is the social network of Uh, course you do I haven't seen it in years but it's like that one's also a very much there are great speeches and people don't talk like people talk but I don't think that movie works if somebody like Sorkin's writing it, not writing it, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm... So, fun fact, I'm actually taking one of Sorkin's master classes right now. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it's very interesting. But, like, um, I get to read through some of his scripts, and I just got done reading through A Few Good Men. And one thing he actually, like, brought up, he was like, I don't write people to talk like actual people. Because that's not... So that's intentional. Yeah, it's, He's it's, not just a it's robot. intentional because he doesn't believe that actual people talk in an interesting manner. He thinks that they talk in, like, there's bits and parts of speech that are interesting, but in order to get story moving, people don't talk in an interesting manner, so he just makes them talk in an interesting manner. 
and I kind I, of agree with Sorkin. Yeah, I, I talk to a I lot of people who it. don't. <laughs> yeah, I talk to a lot of people every day, and they don't talk in an interesting manner. <laughs> I know, it's true. But uh, but yeah, going back though to Guy Ritchie's. So I, in regards to the dialogue, I was a little surprised because I've seen a lot of Guy Ritchie films, and I was like. I mean, the dialogue's okay usually in his films, but it's not amazing. This was, like, on another level. So I looked it up, and it's because he didn't write the script. Oh, what? He No, so he he helped with it, but it was two other writers that actually wrote it, and then he joined them. So he, like, oh, collaborated you... with two other people. And I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense, because, like, this... The dialogue doesn't match any film that he's ever done. Like, it comes a little close to Sherlock Holmes with some of, like, the banter. But honestly, I think that banter came more from Robert Downey Jr. than it came from the script. So we are going to give some shine to the two writers who were additionally written in on this. Who is Marn Davies, who also wrote for uh, Sherlock Holmes and played a police officer in it. Um, so that might be somewhere where some of that quick wittedness also shined through where both of those felt familiar. That could be. Um, I, he did a little bit of camera and electrical for Cloud Atlas, but that movie was just That, that movie was tough. It was a lot. <laughs> and Ivan Atkinson also worked on two other, uh, Hugh Grant movies in The Man from Uncle and, uh, King Arthur Legend of the Sword. Okay. Um, but he was just uh, miscellaneous credited for miscellaneous crew. Mm-hmm. Both of them operated as assistants for uh, Miss. Ooh, IMDb really just throwing shade at him for Mister Ritchie. <laughs> Damn. Uh, there, yeah. Uh, his only writing credit being the gentleman. Uh, yeah, makes a lot of sense. So I definitely can see that argument, and I like. You know what? They were a part of something great, and I think Barn Davies and Ivan Atkinson definitely need to receive shine for their work on this project. Honestly. Or, like, maybe it was just one of those things where it was, like, the reason it came together so well was because the trifecta needed to happen. Right. Maybe. They, the, uh, the finished product is greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah, maybe. Type of scenario. Or, like, you know, like the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Like, they're great on their own, but together they're better. <laughs> that that Megazord really just effed things up. That Megazord was awesome. Like, the original, let, let's clarify. The newer ones can't do anything. <laughs> it's hilarious. So, before we hopped on, uh, I had two buddies over, and we were, uh, I made fried chicken for everybody. It was really good. Um, also, I accidentally made the hottest dish I've ever made. Like, uh, spiciness level, not just uh, heat coming out of the fryer. And I think all three of us were, like, grossly sweating <laughs> while eating it because it was so spicy. But uh, we were watching Transformers 2 and literally got on the topic of 90s TV. Then we were talking about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers probably about a half hour before we hopped on. So, weird full circle aside. Uh, so, I love... Another thing I love about this, the opening. We get this great expeditional dump by Hugh Grant. Did you notice something about Matthew McConaughey's younger character? I feel like I should have, now that you bring it up. <laughs> didn't catch, I didn't catch it till my second pass. 
they never show his face. Oh, well, I did notice that, but I didn't think it was, yeah. like, a big deal. <laughs> oh, I loved it, because how many times do you watch a movie and they cast a young King Arthur, young whoever, and you watch that scene and you're like, that's the worst part of the movie. You know, I never thought about that, but that does make sense. Because how many times is that, like, the child actor suck compared to the adult? Well, most or times... Or just not look like them. Most times, but I will say the one time that I did see it work very well was in the Haunting of Hill House TV series. I did really like that show. Oh, uh, did I tell you what? I, uh... So, I'm in real estate, and one of the properties that I toured was the house that they shot Hill House in. I am or, so sorry. I am so sorry. I really hope that you, like... <laughs> got some holy water or something on you because no it was great i was there with my boss and oh also i think i met ian mcclellan that day yeah you did you did tell me about that when yeah, you we, and I, I told him my favorite movie was uh phantom menace phantom yeah. menace mm-hmm. yeah you, <laughs> and he audibly groaned at me yeah you told me that i i told i think who did i tell that i want to say i told my dad that and i think a part of him died so, I think a part of Ian McClellan died. <laughs> so I'll say, you know, if my dad dies, like, years earlier than he was supposed to, I'm going to blame you. It's my fault. Yeah. Don't worry, there's at least three other people with parents that have that excuse. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> there's some commonality. Um, no, but I, I just, I really love, I love any movie that kind of is willing to say, yeah, most people would find a child actor to play a young uh, Matthew McConaughey, but like when they look at a problem, inst- like some people would say, "Oh man, they got defeated by it." They they decided to cop out on it. To me, I'm like, no, they looked at a problem and they came up with the most creative solution by like not doing something is also doing something. You know that inaction is an action. Yeah. Because uh, there's not a single child actor in the. Uh, mainstream that I could think of who would even come close to playing a McConaughey. Well, for one thing, you'd have to find someone with a seriously heavy, like, accent. (laughs) Right? You immediately (laughs) narrow your range to Houston, Texas. Yeah. And start searching. And even then, you'd be like, okay, how, how far, like, into the wilderness of Texas do we have to go to find someone with that, just that thick of an accent like I think the only other actor I think no yeah the only other actor I know has that thick of an accent is uh crap what's her name Andy McDowell I think like she was in Groundhog Day but she's Uh, got like a really thick southern accent to the point where I think the one time she played a British person, they had to have like Glenn Close do voiceover for her because she couldn't get rid of her accent. <laughs> Was it Andy McDowell? Uh, I could be wrong. I don't remember her name. Yeah, I'm not seeing an Andy McDowell. I've seen a lot of McDowells that are old white dudes. No, no, no. like look up Groundhog Cl- Day with Bill Murray. <laughs> oh, all, also, all time movie that is going to be reviewed by us at some point. Oh, Groundhog Day? 
I mean, it's a perfect time to do it in quarantine. It's literally the same day over and over again for us. Holy crap, that's meta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it would help if I spelled McDowell right. I just did MC instead of MacDowell. Okay, so it is Andy McDowell. It is, yeah. Okay, You okay. had it right. I just yeah. had substantial spelling errors. Yeah, she's the only other actor I know with an accent so thick that, like, they can't play anything else. <laughs> she was unbelievably gorgeous in Groundhog Day. She still is unbelievably gorgeous. She looks the same. <laughs> um... Listen, for a white woman that age. Andy, you are Andy, you are welcome on the podcast anytime. I'm just not gonna not gonna finish that sentence. <laughs> Listen, for a white woman, she aged very well. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, especially somebody that famous. Yeah. Like you got access to a lot of food. Yeah. I I know. Like if I if I ever got rich, you you can tell how well I'm doing in life by my BMI because I will <laughs> inflate like a balloon when I have a lot of money. Oh. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, no, so, uh, love the opening. Um, I, you know what I really liked is, uh, you were watching a movie where Hugh Grant is narrating said story in, like, cinema terms. Oh. Like he's, like he's reciting a movie happening. It's very fourth wall breaking. Well, did you notice that when, so in the beginning when he starts narrating it, or he starts reading his script over when he starts talking about the different camera angles and like the yeah, aspect ratio it changes yeah it changes on screen um because i we both noticed that and we're like oh my god <laughs> this is great well and i didn't catch it except for i think i think he says like one aspect ratio then changes it to another one and so it like it tightens then it retightens mm-hmm. i was like yeah. Oh, this is what we're doing. Yeah. It was it was pretty great. I was like, you know what? I can appreciate this a lot. Ah, <laughs> uh, what well, just damn good movie. Uh, just could not be more excited for this to exist. It's. I want to say this is my number one for twenty twenty right now, by by a lot too. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna have to say that as well but i'm also trying to remember what other movies i saw that came out in 2020 because right now this year's a blur (laughs) i've seen rise of skywalker as well and that's really the like my bar for this is like if i didn't remember it it probably isn't in the the top tenor and like Uh... i really enjoyed scott rise of skywalker only two movies i can remember seeing that came out in 2020 and rise of skywalker's third because I know I'm already leaving space for something to beat it. Really? Did Rise of Skywalker come out in 2020? Um, am I going to look really dumb when it turns out it didn't? I don't know. I'm looking. I'm looking. Was it? It's a 2019 film. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember seeing that, and I don't think it was this year. <laughs> so I was. Oh, it was a December 20th release. I definitely yeah. saw it after the new year. Yeah, I... It was it was a this year movie for me. No, I mean, I saw it after the new year, too, because it was one of those things where it was like, okay, I'm going to wait till I get back from visiting my family, and I'll see it with a bunch of people, so it was one of those things. Yeah. We got just real spark, uh, sparse pickings. Extraction, 
Sonic the Hedgehog, Bloodshot, Trolls World Tour, Birds of Prey, Bad Boys for Life, which was really good. Um, Just... Yeah, it's very slim. I did see Extraction, though. I enjoyed Extraction. I think that's what we're going to be covering next week. I had thoughts on Extraction. You are... You have an open... Ooh! Onward came out in 2020. I really enjoyed Onward. That was great. I'm, I'm man enough to say that I teared up a bit. <laughs> a bit? It's okay. I just... I think I paused the movie at one point. I was like, I was not prepared. <laughs> I was not prepared to feel these feelings. Oh, yeah, it wasn't. I was like, I didn't even know I still had these feelings. God help me. <laughs> yeah. uh, ooh. Spencer Confidential, also a really good 2020 movie that came out. I think I can make that, a top five list out of this. Uh, Spencer Confidential was okay. It was definitely one of those movies, though, that I watched. And I was like, yeah, this is a Mark Wahlberg film. Yes. Uh, he Absolutely. falls into the category of Tom Cruise's where they build a movie around Mark Wahlberg's character. Well, yeah. And Mark Wahlberg's not playing any other character except for Mark Wahlberg with varying <laughs> degrees of Boston accent. Yeah. Basically, they just, you know, he's like, I want to fight someone. And they're like, great, we got a movie for you. Um, great, we'll start rolling where. <laughs> right. Um, but speaking of fighting, so can we just talk about Coach, like Colin Farrell's character, for like oh my God. a good chunk of this? <laughs> great, great, great character. The His monologue in the fast food restaurant is one of the best. But like not not just his character like I don't I don't know yeah just like his mannerisms if you watch the way that he was walking like he was walking like very just you know lower half heavy um, it was just like if you've ever seen any other films with him in it his it was again like a very physical actor where his entire body just like changed mm-hmm. and it was great and I loved it but also again. The dialogue between him and what were they called? The toddlers, right? Yeah, I think they were actually like a real rap group. Are they really? Uh, in Europe. I was going to ask you because I figured you would probably know. Why would I know <laughs> that? You're more likely to know it than me. What about really British rap groups would I know about? The toddlers. The toddler. No, that's a. Are they? Oh, I, I really hope they're not an actual thing. I kind of want them to be. I don't uh, want them to be. <laughs> That's terrifying. I don't think they are. So, it, okay, so it's a song by. Uh, it is a who plays the toddlers and gentlemen. No, what brand tracksuits and the gentlemen? I'm getting some weird YouTube results or weird Google results. Yeah, it's, uh, it's gonna be a no. okay. I, I I think it is a song by Christopher Binstead, but man, did I really want the tra- the the toddlers to actually be a rap group? Oh no, I think, I think that was also like what I loved about the movie was that the characters you loved them, but at the same time you hated like some of the things they did because you're like why would you do that <laughs> like but then at the same time you're like but i also am really glad you did that like keep going <laughs> do it more like please do yeah like with the toddlers like and like the whole like breaking in to the um underground bush factory i was like 
when I saw them doing it, I was like, no, don't do it. Like, are you stupid? Like, no, we are here for McConaughey. And then they kept fighting, and I was like, you know what? Actually, keep s- just steal again. Go, go on. <laughs> I just want to see was... another music video. So this whole exchange where the toddlers are recruited by uh, Jeremy Strong through Jordan Long, I want to say. Um, oh, through, what was it? Fuck. Um, dry, n- uh, yes, yes and no. It was Dry Eyes, but I think Dry Eyes through Fuck. Um, yeah, Dry and... Eyes was Henry Golding's character. Henry Golding, thank you. I yeah. was drawing a blank you on know, his name. You know, our Asian James Bond. And I can say yes. that because I'm Asian. um but through you know uh seven degrees of kevin bacon they're recruited by jeremy strong to hit um mcconaughey's hideout Mm -hmm. and how many movies how many movies and lazy directors would have turned this into mcconaughey fighting a battle on four fronts that you never would have really followed because he would have been trying to take out the toddlers trying to fight mark strong trying to fight dry eyes because that's how it would have worked but Hugh like Colin Farrell's character coming out and immediately going to see Ray and like hey this happened we're gonna make it right and for Ray's character to not turn it into a turf war between them to go no they did they got recruited into something stupid and they're gonna make it right like that was such a that was such a moment in the movie I kind of I really don't pride myself, but like I really, how many I watched so many I watched too many movies, um, but like in so many movies, something like this happens, and I call out the next twenty minutes of the movie in my head, and when I'm right, I'm like, oh. sometimes when I'm wrong, I'm like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever, and then sometimes when I'm wrong, I'm like, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a really weird movie. Um, I mean, it's supposed <laughs> to be weird. That in inti- like the book is weird. <laughs> the book is weird. He wrote that, or he came up with the uh, script for that whole book after getting really drunk in a field one night. Oh, I am very aware. I have the entire, like, all the books that he wrote for, like, that quote-unquote series, which isn't actually a series. Yeah, the and, uh, the five-book trilogy. Yeah, which isn't, like, one of the books isn't even technically belong there. It's because it's a totally different character and, like, a different time period anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. the Zaphod Babel Rocks book. Yeah. I think it's so long and thanks for all the fish. Yeah. I love I, lo- <laughs> I love those. But, uh, no, circling back though, like, just that, um, it, it defies the expectation, not really the words I'm looking for on it, but, uh, you know, um, oh, what, what is it called? Um, Oh, shit, I can't think of the words I'm trying to say. Uh, too many old fashions. But, uh... <laughs> no, it, uh... It, it's a great subversion. Because you expect it to do one thing and it does the other. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, it just... It, it cemented the movie as being really good, like, 20 minutes in. I mean... Hour in. I... I would say it wasn't so much of a surprise for me. Like, it was a pleasant surprise, but it was... It was more of, like... When that happened, I was like, oh, okay, we're going to, like, you know, old school honor here. Like, this is what we're doing. And I appreciate it because I'm really tired of everyone just fighting because they can fight. Like, we are actually going back to, like, hey, listen, there's a code between all of us. Like, we might deal with crime, but we also have a code of honor. And we're going to honor, like, we're going to follow these rules. So, you know, 
you put it a lot more eloquently and concisely than I did. But I that's that's kind of what I was going for. <laughs> I me so bad with word. Wow. Sure, why not? <laughs> um it, and uh so that kind of, I mean, that kind of wraps up my notes on the on-screen stuff, just because there was so much stuff, and it's all so great. So much. Uh, like, I, I could sit here, and sit here and talk for 20 of that movie's length on the individual scenes, and anything that you wanted to tackle? Honestly, it was just, it was a well-written, well-cast, well-shot film. Like, I, I had no... Like, even after I watched the film, like, I'll, I'll admit, I went into the film expecting to find a good chunk of flaws. Because I was like, listen, I've seen Guy Ritchie, Guy Ritchie films. I mean, no offense to Guy Ritchie, but, like, it's kind of like what you, when you've seen enough Wes Anderson or, like, I don't know, Quentin Tarantino films. Like, you you kind of know what's going to happen. Cause you start looking out for Quentin Tarantino's foot fetish. Exactly. Like, you you know what the director has in mind. So I came into this thinking, like, all right, going to see some weird reveals that we all kind of guessed were going to happen, but, like, we didn't really see happen, you know, like Sherlock. And, and then all that happened, and I was like, wow. I just, it was one of those films where you, you completely forget that you're watching a film. Like, because mm-hmm. you're so engrossed in what's happening that by the time it ends, you're like, wow, I just took an entire journey. And at no point did I want to look at my phone. At no point was I like, hey, I think I like have something in the fridge I need to eat later. Um, like the entire time you're just there being like, OK, is he going to get the money? Are we going to get revenge? What is happening? Are you dead? Oh. Like, what is... <laughs> you, you know, great points, and first time in a long time, in the last ten minutes of the movie, when McConaughey gets in the car with the Russian henchman. And when was the last time you didn't think the protagonist was not going to make it? You mean other than Game of Thrones? But, I mean... <laughs> Honestly, that last season, I don't think Game of Thrones made it. Uh, <laughs> I don't even want to talk. No, you know. I'm, la- I'm not ready. No. I'm, I'm not emotional. It's been one year. It's been one year about a month, about two weeks ago, and I'm not emotionally ready for that. Yeah, so. That was, that was seven years of my life. I'm, I'm going to take at least half that time to get I ready. Know. I know. I'm kind of just, yeah. So Simon hasn't finished Game of Thrones yet. He has no Did you ex- cut him off? He has no excuse. Um, no, because I want him to. This is terrible of me, but I want him to suffer. I want him to suffer the same amount we all suffered by the end of that season. And I'm. (laughs) You can't do a man's like that. I'm a terrible girlfriend. You know what? I think it'll be fine because honestly, he's convinced me to watch some really crappy films, and this is kind of like my revenge. Listen, if I if I did a podcast on some of the movies that he's had me watch because he's convinced that it would be a good film. What, what's the worst one? I got to know. The, I, the worst film, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to... I really hope you watch it just to do, like, a separate episode on it. <laughs> because There's I, a good chance we do. 
l- let me just tell you, I took notes on that film because it was so bad. Um, to the point where I, I think this is like a week. So we've we've got you in for a later episode, is what you're telling me. I mean, apparently, and if you do, though, I'm gonna make him listen to that episode to relive it. Um, I have to remember what it was called, though. Uh, give me a sec. All right. So while you're going through that, uh, in, in one you know, a couple things I want to bring up uh, that I didn't is Ray uh, going to visit the kids at the crack den, the heroin house. Uh, oh my God! What what a good he has like this good speech just talking about like if you're in trouble you got to talk to your friends. It's so out of place in this movie. And it really was. He, he just. Somebody's like, what the fuck are you talking... Like, one of the kids is like, what are you talking about? And he goes, look, at, look, man, this is what these old burndowns used to be about. I'm just trying to bring some good vibes to the room. I was like, that's... that's so true. It's so in place and out of place in the movie. It was so great. Oh, okay. So before I tell you the film I was looking at, so to your, okay, po- wait, wait. To your I- point on that scene, though, like, I think one of the reasons the film was also good was because it wasn't like every single action a character took had a separate consequence which then they had to deal with on top of another consequence which I don't think a lot of films explore they're just like oh like they went here they did the job they completed it there might have been like one little obstacle but like once we got the obstacle out of the way we're fine the The secret agent kills three people and it's like that you know it just that was a means to an end whereas this they accidentally kill one kid, and it literally becomes the climax of the film. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, but they wouldn't have gone to that house unless, like, the merchandise got stolen, and then, but, like, with doing the oh, merchandise... Wow. Yeah, I hadn't yeah. even thought about how deep you could take that thread. Yeah, it's, like, if you really think about it, the amount of... <laughs> The amount of trails that these people have to go through just to get one thing fixed always leads them to, like, five other trails that they have to try to fix. And I love it because, in a sense, it is realistic, but it also keeps the audience from getting bored in one setting. Uh Because we're like, oh, crap, like, now we killed a guy, and now they have to go get the phones, and now they have to get this girl back, and now she's dead, and now this is happening. (laughs) And in how many movies would have an accidental death just been swept under the rug not noticed and it would have just been next scene or they would have just buried it in like the garden and they're like eh it's fine yeah that that kid's body became a pivotal plot point you saw him in the freezer it's why he wouldn't let Hugh Grant into the house to go find the steaks Mm -hmm. they see him Uh, Ray do we have a problem I don't know Fletcher do we have a problem (laughs) and Nope, I forgot to wash my hands. He walks back in the bathroom and never saw a thing. Yep. And then all those little consequences play with, like, all these little jokes that they have with each other. Where he's like, am I going to um, keep having to clean up your messes? Like, how many people are going to keep falling with you? And I'm just like, <laughs> that's true. Um, you're not wrong. That's like the second guy that's fallen when he's been with them. <laughs> um so, all right. So, real quick aside. So, the name of the movie. Oh wait, wait. Oh, uh, continue. Give, give, give me some plot clues. I want to see if see if I've seen it. You, you definitely haven't. 
I mean, okay. you wouldn't even watch that one movie with me because when we started it, you're like, this seems like an acid trip. Oh, Kung Fu Hustle? Yeah, you wouldn't even watch that with me. You started it. All, we, also, it. we started it at like one thirty in the morning. That's because you said you wanted to watch a movie. Well, yeah, but I'm full of dumb ideas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Don't, you shouldn't listen to my ideas. That's... Getting getting you on this show like terrible idea, but we're doing it. We're we're going with it. I mean, it. I'm here now. I have nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> Happy quarantine. I know, right? I mean, I'm still getting paid to do my job, so. Yeah. But um, okay. So. All right. What is the movie? Do you want me to tell you the name of it, or like give you a plot? Uh, give me some clues. Let's let's play a little okay. guessing game, so, and I'll so, I'll tell you whether. So the main characters are all kids. They're like middle schoolers. We're starting off strong here. And they're all at a okay. camp. Let's <laughs> go to the camp. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's an alien invasion. <laughs> okay, I have not seen this, I don't think. Is, <laughs> it, okay, wait, wait. Let me, let, let me play a little 20 questions. Animated or not animated? It is not animated. Okay, that really narrows it down. Um, okay, is it the faculty? Absolutely not. That film is a gem. That film is a gem, and we will be reviewing it later this year. That film um, is a great film. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. This doesn't fit anything I think I've seen. Well, that's because it came out in 2019. It's a Netflix film. Um, oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Now you see why I want revenge on my boyfriend. Um, <laughs> And yeah, this was within... The funniest part was that this was within a week or two of us dating. And he was like, hey, I know you like you really like film, so you should watch this. It looked really cool. And the way he put it was as if he had actually seen it. So I was like, okay. He Dangerous didn't, phrasing. He didn't watch it. What happened was he had seen the preview and was like, oh. Or not the preview. He read like the description of it on Netflix and was like, oh, that could be pretty cool started watching it only got within five minutes of the film and then had to go back to work so he never finished it and i watched the entire thing (laughs) (laughs) i was so upset all right so what is it called it's called rim of the world for anyone watching do not watch actually no for anyone watching please watch that film just to laugh at it and get upset (laughs) All right, so we are going to take a little gander at its Rotten Tomatoes scores. Oh, it's it's so bad. (laughs) You didn't think to check this. Well, it's because, you know, I was trying to be a nice person and trust someone else's opinion on a film. I will never do that again, by the way. Yeah. Can you you guess what its Tato meter score is? I don't even want to know. It's 23%. Is it? Is it? Let me just say that after I got done watching that film... So in college, I used to have this... Uh, my friend Anna and I used to do this thing called Bad Movie Night, where we... Per- oh, we used to do this too. Yeah. We purposely watched bad movies and would just, like, drink and eat junk food. Um, and Rim of the World would definitely have been on that list. Worst movie... What was the worst movie you did for her? Uh, uh, it was called, um, Edge of, no, 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 wait, 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 
It was called um, Escape from Tomorrowland. Escape from Tomorrow, that's what it was called. Um, it was like a 2013 film, and this is how bad it was. It was so bad. Okay, well, actually, let me back up. So this film was actually illegally shot at either Disney World or Disneyland. Illegally shot. But it was so bad that when Disney saw it, they were like, yeah, we're not going to sue you. Go ahead and release it. Yeah. <laughs> That's how bad it was. Oh, no. That was definitely the oh. worst one. I think the most enjoyable one that we watched was The Last Unicorn because it was like being on an acid trip the entire time. <laughs> we had no oh, clue what was going that- on. That has got um, Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson? No, no, no. That's Unicorn Store. That's a new film. Oh, never mind. Yeah, so no. I'm, in the, wrong, I'm uh, in the completely wrong movie, which also looks like an acid trip. Yeah, but uh, the last Unicorn was like a film from the 80s. It was one of those like animated films, you know, where in the beginning, it was kind of like the, the old Lord of the Rings cartoons where like mm-hmm. they sing the entire plot out in the first couple minutes of the credits they just have a song that sings the entire plot out for you it was one of those films also i just so have you seen the previews for scoob like the scooby-doo movie yes no because i don't want to what? Oh my god, I love Scooby-Doo. I no, I I, I love Scooby-Doo, but I love the original Scooby-Doo so much that I really hate most remakes. <laughs> I mean, for good reason, but yes. they, I'm looking at a thing, and I can't believe I was able to pull this character out of the back of my mind. Like, I'm looking at just the cover of it, and mm-hmm. it's got Dino Mutt on it, along with Scooby. Oh, wow. And the fact that I can remember Dino Mutt's name from Boomerang from the early 1990s is an unreal recall that I can't believe I was able to <laughs> pull off. Yeah. Speaking of recall, I think we've gone, like, way off topic. Oh, my God, you aren't kidding. We started this whole thing talking about uh, the gentleman. <laughs> the gentleman. And... I mean, you know, bad movies, though, are always a great time. Um... I don't even know yeah, how just, we got on that topic. Um, I got nothing. I don't know how we got there. We'll we'll have to watch know. the tapes. But I mean, uh, you will. Th- I won't. The last fun fact I want to bring up is uh, Hugh Grant mm-hmm. allegedly never met uh, McConaughey until after the filming of the movie. You know that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how filming happens. I would have imagined that the director met the lead at some point before the start of the movie uh, or at any other time in their professional careers. Yeah, the director. It doesn't mean the other actors meet each other. Oh, yeah, I did say Hugh Grant. Um, Yeah, because they don't have any common scenes. No, they don't. Like, most of Hugh Grant's scenes is him talking about Matthew McConaughey. You know, when I wrote that note down, I was thinking Guy Ritchie when I wrote Hugh Grant. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, this whole time I've been going, how did the director not meet McConaughey? And now it makes a whole lot more sense. Um, two other things. Charlie Hunnam sent, filmed all of his scenes in five days, which is really impressive given his location changes, the number of actors he interacts with. Yeah. You almost feel like he has to have, like, you almost go, 
holy shit, if he did all that in that much time, the whole mm-hmm. film almost had to be filmed at eight days, like, uh, based mm-hmm. on everything else. But, um, and then the beers that they're drinking constantly in the movie are Gritchie beers, which is Guy Ritchie's brewery. Oh, wow. I mean, if I got to drink on the job. Oh, wait, I'm a writer. I do get to drink on the job. Um, in case any of my clients are listening to this, I promise I don't do it when I'm doing your stuff. Che Incorporated does not include the thoughts and ideas of Che Incorporated. <laughs> does not represent the uh, mentality behind. Listen, I'm just saying, like, you know, the final product is not done with any drinks involved. Sometimes. I don't um, promise anything before that. Uh, no, so usually I try and keep track of, like, beers on screen, because you always see, uh, like, The Simpsons is Duff Beer, Heisler is in a million different movies and TV shows, uh, and all of the, like, 99% of the time, because they don't want to pay for licensing, or I find it intriguing who pays for product placement when, such as, uh, the first Mark Wahlberg Transformers movie, um, where they have an unbelievably transparent... Bud Light thing where they knock over a Bud Light truck and Mark Wahlberg literally breaks open a beer and drinks it and like has the Bud Light label facing the camera as he does it um so like and I I love beer I love uh cocktails but I love keeping an eye out for them in uh pop culture and movies because it's always funny but to see I had to google gritchy beers because I didn't put two and two together the way it's spelled and the logo looks you don't really now, now that you see it, you'll probably see it as Guy Ritchie. But I was like, Ritchie, that's a that's a funky name. I'm gonna Google it, see if it's something like Heisler. And I was like, Oh, Guy Ritchie owns the brewery. Of course, he would advertise his beer during the movie that he makes. And that makes sense. Yeah, I will license it to myself and give myself free publicity. All right. Hmm. That's all my notes. If you got anything to add before we uh, sign off, no. it's getting late for both of us. It was a great film. That's that's all I have to say all-time film we've spoiled the shit out of it but if you skip to this point to find the part without spoilers go see it yeah i I don't think we spoiled any of it actually we just briefly mentioned things but it's so layered that you don't really know what's happening until you watch it we talked we've now talked for an hour and 13 minutes and i think we've covered like two minutes of actual movie and like three scenes exactly and a whole lot of just idea you know that's kind of the best part of movies to me, like, there's a lot of cool things. Like, if I'm watching Pacific Rim, I'm going to talk about the scenes in Pacific Rim because the scenes in Pacific Rim are giant robots fighting giant monsters. But in this, like, it's so much how did the movie make you feel. Yeah. And the movie made me feel like fist pumping when I finished. <laughs> Which I, I... That's my favorite part about movies is, like, the movies that make you feel great. Like, um... Not, like, feel great, but, like, it makes you feel like you accomplished something. Feel something. Yeah. Um, even if it scared you half to death, like Hereditary did for me. Um, I haven't watched it. It's okay. You might not want to. Because <laughs> you live alone. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm waiting until I uh, get a roommate to tackle some more horror movies. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, but, like... I don't know. This movie was just, it was just a great, great film. And also, like, just a brief note, honestly, the suits were amazing. And I would like to 
just encourage all men to go back to wearing suits, at least for, like, you know, every now and then, because they look really good. <laughs> oh, yeah. T- team suit needs to be reenacted. Uh, oh, they, the, they, the leads looked fresh. Oh, the three-piece suits they had? Oh, my God. I think I read somewhere Guy Ritchie took Charlie Huma, uh, wow, can I butcher his name harder? Charlie, uh, Charlie Hunnam shopping so that he could get into character before the movie started shooting. That's Um, good. Also, well, uh, I guess that kind of covers everything we want to do for the movie. Um, now's the part where I make a wild prediction on what we watch next week and we 100% of the time have not actually watched that movie um so I'm gonna go with something that Kate and Q and Che you have an open invite if you're interested and I'm gonna go with The Martian with Mark uh with Matt Damon oh my god I mean hmm it's incredibly watchable. No, it's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, and I really love Andy Weir and his books, which The Martian is a movie based on. So I'm going to yeah. go with that as my wild claim. So it's going to be something that's on an episode in 50 episodes from now. But uh, <laughs> you know what I'm really going to appreciate is one day somebody's going to come up with a chronology of these episodes in the order of me announcing what we watch. <laughs> Just, just and it's gonna be like, it. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be like, yeah, dude. He he said what they were gonna watch in episode one and episode four hundred and seventy three. Oh my god, it's gonna be like every Doctor Who episode where it's like they made a comment and then like fifty years later one of the doctors does it and you're like, oh my god, I remember yeah. this. What I don't a creative know why. genius! This t- <laughs> this totally wasn't a writer sitting there watching the early episodes and going, oh shit, I got an idea. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. But no, but well, no. Hey, if you ever do like a separate one just for terrible movies, it could be like I don't know, what was that old like TV shows like Science Mystery Theater, Science yeah, Theater three thousand. That was my favorite show. Um, if you ever did that, I mean, I've watched a good amount of bad movies, so. Oh my god. I will be I here. Think <laughs> we we are going to get into that because I want to do some movies that are like, like um, the core. Oh, no. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And, like, one that I think is amazing, but is traditionally probably not thought super highly of, would be Serenity. You really thought? Uh, I I mean, it is a bad movie, but it was, like, one of those FX movies that we all watch. So, it was a sci-fi movie. Oh, I know. (laughs) It's the best sci-fi movie ever made. Listen, I am a big Firefly fan. Of course I saw Serenity. (laughs) Yes. And it is amazing in all of its glory. It was the most... And I need need the rest of the world to uh, get on the same page. It was the biggest disappointment for all Firefly fans out there. Joss Whedon... Yeah, well, Whedon, if you're listening to this, I'm still upset at you. I was super excited with it. You're just mad because a certain somebody died. Oh no, I didn't care about that. What? Okay, no. we're gonna talk. Off, <laughs> we're gonna talk off air on this one, but we're gonna dad clap and be out on this one. Cool. <laughs>